0: Our program will explore the concepts and ideas behind Direct Connect Coaching by introducing guests who are using or are aligned with this program and have used the ideas to transform their lives. It is our sincere hope that you can use this inspiration to do the same. Now, here is Fee Mazanke.
1: And a very early Happy New Year to all of you listening out there. And welcome to what is the Farewell Show uh, my farewell show on the Voice America Radio Network. It's truly been an honor and a privilege and just such a blessing to be able to speak with all of you, to interview the tremendous and amazing guests that we've had throughout the years on the show. And um, it's it's just it, it's met with some mixed emotions on my part because it's really been such an honor to be able to bring you live each and every week uh, the shows that we've done. And although the radio show is changing, um, I am going to be updating moving into a lot of really, really exciting things in 2016, moving into a a different multimedia format um, to better suit the needs of my audience. And so please check in with me, check in. Uh, into directconnectcoaching.com for all of the updates and the new exciting things that we are here to serve you with and the new formats or log into Facebook. Go ahead and friend me on Facebook, FeeMezanke, FI, Mezanke, and there will be announcements and new exciting uh, things and, and things to look forward to in 2016. I'm really, really thankful to the incredible loyal listeners uh, that we have had on the show and, and for the show, and we've uh, the outreach and the outpouring. We've had many of you out there across the world—Tokyo um, and Sweden and Australia—and a, a, a great contingent in Canada, and certainly a really strong foothold here in the United States. So you all have inspired me to continue to grow, to seek new approaches, um, to be able to serve you. I'm thrilled about the upcoming year. It's exciting. It's met with a great deal of anticipation, which also delivers a little bit of nervousness. That's all normal. And amazing things that I'm going to be offering to the worldwide audience. So please make sure you stay tuned. We always begin each show with the boomerang effect. And as you know, those of you who have been listening, the boomerang effect is simply what you put out in life is equivalent to what you get back in life. And today's show is entitled emergence and emergence is all about kind of coming out of the darkness of your own cocoon. Uh, and and moving into the, the world of possibility just as a butterfly uh, would emerge from the cocoon the, to really talk about the world of possibility in your life. And I've got a guest that I'll be introducing to you shortly, but I wanted to ask you, all of our listeners, what boomerang you throw out when you're stuck in the darkness of your own cocoon. And this is really important because it's, Because of when people become stuck in the darkness of their own thoughts and feelings, it's there that they're not able to take the next step toward their own growth. And that's where I meet with so many of my clients, and I have met so many of them over the years, is when they're in and stuck in that darkness. And so what boomerang do you throw out when you become stuck? And when you're experiencing difficulty in your life... It's important for you to find a thought that's going to make you feel better. Use your emotions as your guidance system to focus on something that is going to make you feel better. So when you begin to bring awareness to your thoughts, you're going to notice that the thought makes you either feel positive emotion or negative emotion. And when you're feeling positive emotion, that is a simple and clear indication that you're in alignment with what you truly desire. However, when you're feeling a negative emotion, it means that you're moving away from what you desire or you're going to be creating more of what you don't want. So you're not in alignment with what you want, you're in alignment with what you don't want. So that's a really great time and a great awareness for you to ask yourself, what do I want? What do I want? And then find something that's going to make you feel better. Use your imagination to see yourself as already having it and already believing that it is part of your reality. So, for example, one very important step in your own emergence is to look at your business. Let's, let's say you're looking at your business from 2015. If your business was down in 2015, look to your thoughts. See what your predominant thoughts are about your business um, one gentleman that I met with last week had a great deal of anger and resentment and those thoughts were around surrounding his business. And then look to changing those thoughts to what you want 2016 to look like, so this is what we talked about last week in my office, to see, feel, and know yourself in a very blissful space of having the business of your dreams. See, feel, and know yourself at the end of 2016 feeling a tremendous amount of satisfaction for your efforts received. See, feel, and know that you have worked toward and achieved all that you desired for 2016. If you're experiencing a roadblock in your feelings, that's, it a clue. It's an indication that you need to work on that a little bit more. So be sure to shoot me a message at, at com, and talk to me about removing your roadblocks to open yourself up to all that you desire. That is why we are here on this planet Earth. And this is how you can experience your own emergence in 2016. Now, we have a very fascinating story and a guest uh, with someone who has, whose focus has been on his own emergence, and his name is Anshul Fernando. Welcome to the show, Anshul. We're really happy to have you join us on our, this, our farewell show today.
2: Thank you. It's an honor to be here.
1: Thank you. Let me just give you a little bit of a background about Anshul. He has a very unique personality and it's from being a veteran to starting butterfly farming operations worldwide and he's done many different vocations in between. He brings a wealth of experience and perspective that is unique and inspiring. Despite his numerous qualifications, he calls himself an artist. And I want to tell you, check out his artwork on his website because he really truly is a gifted artist. His website is butterflyartstudio.com. And um, he was uh, just to, to let you know a little bit about Anshul, he was born in India to a mother who is from India and to a father who is from Sri Lanka. And at six months of age, went with his parents to Australia. Then in 1981, he began his life as a Canadian. They moved to Canada. And it was there in Canada that there was a migratory path of butterflies flying through his city of Calgary at the time. And because of his deep fascination with insects, his mother made him a butterfly net and he began collecting butterflies Thus, the reason why today's show is called Emergence. Do you see the connection there? (laughs) It was uh, through endless trials that he finally mastered the art of preserving butterflies. And in 1997, he started his first butterfly farm in Sri Lanka. And since then, he has supported farming and ranching and, and captive breeding programs for various butterfly species throughout the world. And in 2009... Uh, He and his wife set up the Antenna Foundation where he gets booked by schools throughout his region to give talks to students on insect conservation and the importance of insect diversity. Anshul and his wife, Stephanie, their mission is to promote the sustainable breeding of vulnerable species to supply the butterfly collector market so that the collector's desires are met while ensuring the continuation of these wonderful creatures. And they are really important indeed. And we've heard this in the news over the years. And uh, so it, it, it's, it's it's such a great tie in um, about the butterflies and the emergence of the butterflies, and what we as a society can do, along with what you can do in your own emergence. And, and it's, a, it's a great analogy to look at for our farewell show today. Um, and Schul has now traveled t- to 26 countries, many of which are third world in status for the most part, of furthering his work with butterflies and insects. And as you might suspect, his life has been filled. With nonstop adventure, and with that comes the need to continue his own emergence. There's emergence. There's been challenges with those adventures, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So, welcome, Anshul, and let's just dive in to give our listeners um, a little bit of a background of what is really the significance and importance to the population of butterflies in the world and and what you have known and grown about the importance of that.
2: Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, butterflies are pollinators. They go around uh, imbibing nectar from different flowers throughout their area, flying many hundreds of kilometers just to get the energy that they need, and they help the plants reproduce. And in the plants reproducing, that helps clean our air, provides air for all of the oxygen-breeding species. But the butterflies also serve as food for other organisms. So they are amphibians, reptiles, birds. Uh, All these creatures are supported by the food source that butterflies themselves bring. Um, So any insect as well as a butterfly serves that purpose. So we need to really be respectful and responsible in how we live so that we can support our own existence. Because if these butterflies disappear, that materially impacts our ability to live a comfortable life.
1: Sure. And and we've heard this in the news so frequently. So as we are be, begin to really put awareness on the fact that, yes, this is something that's really necessary literally for our own existence, I mean, You know, we need to sustain and support the existence of these wonderful creatures. And so what is it that you recommend to people to continue to do that? What can people out there do, Anshul?
2: Well, I mean, for those people that have the resources, uh, getting uh, involved in activist programs where they're preserving large areas of forested land, that has a huge benefit on keeping the the ecosystem intact but uh, what also translates in a in a positive impact is also people having um, uh, having supporting specific industries that support the forest dwellers in those areas where these butterflies are found Uh, what we have seen throughout the decades is that ecotourism is um, very challenging to be sustainable because not everyone has the means to go and travel to these beautiful places and pay the entrance fees to support those ecotourist areas. So that means that those particular areas of land, their cash inflows get to suffer because of the the lack of money coming in. It's not sustainable. So the, the forest dwellers are usually compelled uh either by force or through uh, economic reasons to cut down their forested land they sell their um their timber for a one time sale then they do slash and burn techniques for agricultural programs where they're growing pineapples tea rubber coconuts any any type of commodity that's sold on the commodities market and the unfortunate reality is that they only get a pittance of what the market price is and they continue to live a life of poverty which therefore contributes to the poaching market because the butterflies that are fetching high sums of money because they're so rare are then now being uh, attracted to being poached because they can fetch such a large dollar figure. So it's a, it's a cascading negative effect. And what we can do is we can support industries that uh, combat that, that actually have the reverse effect. So what my wife and I have done is create a system where everyone gets to win So not only do the butterflies get to win, but the forest gets to win. The forest dwellers get to win. And then, of course, the collectors and the art lovers get to win as well. And that's where we actually teach the families who live on the forests how to be able to grow these butterflies. And they don't cut down their forested land. They use the butterflies and the insects that live on their land as their crop. And then they sell it to... um, to our company, where we make artwork that's made from these sustainably bred species, and then we are able to supply the the global market with that, and therefore everyone gets to win.
1: Well, and and this is what this is what I want to talk about with you today, because again, this is so analogous to life, where uh, oftentimes people are focused on. What's in it for me and how can I I make my own personal gains as opposed to really looking outside of themselves uh, to create win-win scenarios. And you and your wife have definitely done that, Anshul, where you're saying, hey, if we look at teaching people ways to do Things um, to you know to support and use their land to to you know farm these butterflies or other insects. Obviously, it's not just the butterflies, but it it really creates a win win, which again then um, allows. Our society, the entire world, and certainly you've had a lot more worldwide travel experience and exposure to many different countries more than I have by by a long shot. And uh, you know, you you've you've had a chance to see the impact of that. And rather than just focusing on a dollars and cents sort of business, what you're doing is you're taking your knowledge and your wisdom and your passion and being able to uh, apply it and serve the community so that these people are um, are benefiting so much. Is that is that accurate?
2: Absolutely. One, one uh, thing I'd like to add is that it, I, I am a collector to begin with, and so when I started to see the butterfly populations decline through my travels, uh, I was getting a lot of grief from the various people who knew that I was a collector, and they were saying to me things like, you know, you're just part of the problem here, going and collecting these butterflies puts unnecessary pressure on them, they're already pressured by the deforestation, maybe you should stop collecting, and and that was really hard for me to hear as a child growing up, because that was something that I was obsessed with, I'm, I'm still obsessed with butterflies, so I needed to find a way to reconcile that I was leaving a negative footprint, I was part of the, the problem, how do I create a situation where I can actually uh, fully express my passion and be present in my obsession with butterflies, but at the same time leaving a green footprint? That's where this idea was motivated from.
1: And look, I, again, I, I love the concept and the the analogy that we're using here, where it is allowing. It, there's, you know, you see a problem. Yes, you are a collector. Yes, you are somebody that really um, has a passion for uh, this this life. You know, the 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 butterfly life, and you're you're collecting them and then using them as part of your beautiful art. Which again, I want to encourage our listeners to check out your artwork at. Uh, um, www.butterflyartstudio.com and make sure that they go there to see how beautiful your artwork is. But the amazing thing about this, essential is that you you saw You had a problem and you found a way to solve the problem, and create a really green footprint. And I think this is what we as uh, people emerging from our own cocoons can look at. There's always a solution to every problem that we experience. And so because of that, this is what we are you know, offering to, to this concept of emergence. We're offering the fact that we, you've got answers within you. Just seek within to find those answers. So I know we we are up on our first break already. So I wanted to um, uh, encourage our listeners. If you have any questions for us, to please give us a call here. But when we get when we come back, we're going to talk more deeply about the importance of your own personal emergence. So you'll want to stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment.
0: Do you want to directly impact your business results, improve the quality of your life, learn to empower yourself, or move through roadblocks to create more success for yourself? If so, directly connect with Fee Mazanke at Direct Connect Coaching. Fee is an expert in the field of coaching with over 14 years of experience. Go to www.directconnectcoaching.com to learn more about Fee's empowering programs. Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com.
1: Social media is important to your business, but you might not know how to do it right. Doing social media yourself can be a challenge. I have discovered a company that gets it done for you. They post seven times a week to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google+, and they can monitor reviews on over 45 sites at a price any business can afford. Get more information at GetSocialWithFee.com and get your free analysis to determine your company's social media effectiveness. Visit GetSocial with Fee, that's fi.com and find out more today because doing it wrong is worse than not doing it at all. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment channel. Voiceamericaempowerment.com.
0: are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment. To reach Fee Mazanke or her guest on the program today, please call one 346 9141 That's one 346 9141 Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment.
1: And welcome to our farewell show today. And today we're talking about emergence and really Um, the analogy that we're using with my guest on Fernando is to talk about the emergence of of the caterpillar into the butterfly and how that you know, moving through that darkness really creates a beautiful being. And it's such a great, um, a great analogy to be able to use in your own personal life. And as you move into 2016, your own ability to move through some of the problems and experiences that you're having in 2016 or f- that you had in 2015 so that you can move forward in a powerful, passionate, wonderful way to create what it is that you want to create this year in this upcoming year. And so we start with butterflies and Joel, um, your fascination with butterflies um, and that passion about developing this business of conserving um, insects and teaching about them. It, tell us a little bit about that. And then we'll move into some uh, more, you know, difficult things that you've had to uh, overcome to come out of your own to emerge from your own cocoon? Okay, sure. Uh, In
2: 1997, uh, I decided to work on a project in Sri Lanka where I would create a butterfly farming program where I would be allowed to export some of the specimens I bred from that country because no one in the world was breeding those butterflies, and uh, there were a lot of poachers going to that country specifically to hunt those butterflies and sell it to the uh, marketplace. So I figured that if I would able to flood the market with bread specimens, we would be able to drive the price down and get the, uh, the poachers disincentivized. So when I went to Sri Lanka, uh, I needed to get government approval, and that proved to be a lot more difficult than I thought. They actually wanted a hefty bribe in order for me to get the farm uh, up and running. And I was uh, infuriated. I couldn't believe that here I am coming to their country trying to help their people and their, their land out, and they wanted to have a piece of the action and i thought that's not um, that's not really ethical and so i fought with them for a lengthy period of time uh negotiating it over at the in the boardroom and i finally got them to to see it from my perspective and they agreed to create the the permits for the farm and i was able to have that farm operating and since that success i've been able to duplicate that breeding operation throughout the tropics and Supply the world with really rare, exquisite uh, butterflies that come from there.
1: That's so wonderful. And I just want to clarify one thing: um, as you talked about the ecotourism and some of these the lands where people are not able to affordably go uh, to see some of the beauty. Um, where specifically are these uh, lands where where there's an abundance of these wonderful creatures? And again. As you look at the, the, the farming of, um, of the butterflies and the other insects that you're, you're passionate about, as you look at doing that, um, what do you recommend to people to be able to support that?
2: So the, in, in the Indonesian archipelago, there's 17,000 islands. And uh, most of Indonesia lives in abject poverty, very difficult for those people to make a living. And those different island groups are host to many beautiful, exquisite species. Um, same with the Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea. Those areas in the South Pacific are experiencing rising sea levels, and that's materially impacting the livelihood of those people there. So if there's any way to support the, that region of the world, that's going to uh, definitely help uh, keep those butterfly and insect populations more stabilized and as the water levels rise that's going to put the prices much higher up on those uh, rare and hard to get species. So I, I think that that area needs to be focused on uh, as a priority. But then there's the uh, Amazon region and that's covered by a whole bunch of South American countries and the deforestation that's taking place in uh, in these various countries. It's uh, happening at, a, at such a rate that it's um, it's not, it's not going to be sustainable. So when there are butterfly farms or breeding operations that are set up in those areas, it would be beneficial to, to help those that are committed to keeping the forest areas intact. It's those forest areas that are the most important because it's not the collecting of a butterfly that hurts the population. It's taking away the food plant of the caterpillar. If the caterpillar can't eat the specific leaf that grows, then it dies. So butterflies are incredibly adaptive. They can drink from a whole bunch of different uh, drink from different sources. They don't just have to drink from flowers.
1: Okay, so the wonderful. The we
2: got to be concerned about.
1: Sure, sure, wonderful. Um, and as we move into our, you know, really empowering our listeners and Chul about their own personal challenges, their own. Uh, emergence from their cocoons uh, and some of the steps and and things that you have done in your own life and take the steps that you have taken to uh, for your own personal emergence. Can you share some of what you've experienced to be able to inspire our listeners to help take that step in 2016 into their own emergence?
2: Sure. Um, so, I've had a, a plenty of personal challenges. Um, I'm a person of color in this country, and serving in the Canadian military was no walk in the park. Um, I had experienced a level of racism and hate throughout my life living in Canada, but uh, it was my time in the Army that really showed me that I was not equal to others simply because of how I looked. Um, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of. Rhetoric out there about how the the life of people in uh, as people of color have improved over the last several decades, and um, my experience is that racism is still quite alive and well. And while there have been improvements in the last 35 years that I've lived in Canada, it's too slight, uh, too little to be worth mentioning. So. I mean, I'm called the N-word, the P-word on a regular basis in my city, uh, but being called these awful names is is actually the easy part to deal with. Uh, it's when one is oppressed, persecuted, falsely accused, imprisoned, illegally searched, beaten, sexually violated because of one's skin color. This is also very, very difficult to overcome. And I've experienced this throughout my life here in Canada, and I'm presently going through one of the worst examples of oppression and persecution thus far in my life. But I would agree with, um, there's a fellow that I, I follow in terms of his writings, uh, Peter Joseph, and his assessment is that the most insidious aspect of racism is actually um, structural racism. So the the problem in our society um, is that our social conditions haven't changed, and I, I, I will assert that So long as our social conditions uh, do not change, we will continue to see people hurting others and living in terror. And I've uh, seen far too much and experienced far too much violence in my life in various countries and the way it is for humans that uh, we need to get beyond just mere survival and actually learn how to thrive as a a people. And um, one of the things that I'm going through right now is... uh, My family and I have been falsely accused of committing um, acts of fraud and theft. And the Calgary police here, um, without any merit, have arrested and detained my family. They've taken my children, placed them into the foster care system without any merit or justification. They separated the kids and placed the oldest one into a home that was known to be a drug house or one that was using drugs. And um, during his stay there, he was abused, and he was denied any medical attention. And I, it's, the story goes on. I mean, the family services took us to court, um, trying to take full guardianship and custody of our children without a single complaint or incident against our children. Um, and what ended up resulting is that we uh, fought them in court, um, and we won. We won our children back. Um Family Services was able to um, rely on a story about how I have ties to organized crime groups and therefore it's not safe for my children to come home. And this was all derived from what they had read in the newspaper. And when confronted about it, they had no no evidence behind that. And so that led um, to our family being in a situation where we were um, terrorized. So when we finally got our children back, we immediately took our eldest to the hospital and he got treated for his neck injuries. Um, Now we have, uh, I've demanded that the Calgary police charge the person with assault who hurt my son, but they won't lay any charges. Um, my, My eldest son has now been targeted by his math teacher and was humiliated in front of the whole class by being called a homosexual and the teacher was commenting on how unattractive he is to the class and the I mean the same math teacher has acknowledged that she threatens to hurt her, hurt the children with a compass uh she admits to uh, knowing how to make a body disappear and she threatens to kill the children when the children are not um uh obeying her so there is a whole bunch of challenges that we're experiencing and I complained to the Calgary police I complained to the Calgary school board but nothing was done uh the Calgary police they refused to press charges um they refuse to even speak with the children or the teacher, and the teacher still gets to teach. And so this whole ordeal that I'm, I'm facing here of having my life torn apart, uh, the the reputation that has been uh, affected, losing friends, uh, not having a school that protects the children but protects the teacher, that harms children. I've had all sorts of reasons to feel disempowered, to feel anger, and I know that this is not the solution of getting through these dark days. So <clears throat> I'm taking actions, and I'm taking actions every single day to try and uh, move us through this very dark space. And what I'm experiencing is that every time I go outside, I'm followed by the police. Some days I have up to four encounters with the police. They park around my home. They pull me over, give me tickets. They um, break into my home without their name tags on. They show a fake paper with, uh, with no warrant arrest arrest my my father they they do all sorts of things that are just against the our rights our personal rights and i'm what i've what i'm up against is no matter what i try to stand for i find that my voice has been muted there's there's this uh, situation where people aren't listening and so um I have a question to ask myself, well, who am I going to be in all of this? How am I going to be? What kind of person am I? Am I going to be the kind of person that still gives the best that I, who I am to my family, to my children? Or am I going to be giving them the angry, resentful, cynical, resigned human being? Um, There's no question that we are being terrorized by the, the local police here, and our families definitely hurt. Uh, we're, we're all collectively experiencing PTSD, depression, um, all of the signs of uh, trauma that would go along with such a such a situation. And one would think that the um, the police system is is uh, having a, a problem here, but there's also a legal area as well that's having a problem. I've now been under tremendous conditions for the last eight months, and. Um, I have not even had an opportunity to to plead not guilty in the court of law. So it's been adjourned over and over again. But getting back to this experience of racism, it's a dominant uh, aspect of living in in this society, and it's left a a major mark on my psychology, and um, it's one that I've had to overcome throughout my life. And one of the biggest uh, consequences of that is I became ashamed to be a person of color, I wanted to be white. I felt that if I was white, these things would not have happened to me, not just what is happening in 2015, but throughout my life. I mean, I've been uh, experiencing all sorts of things that are related to the skin color. And that's not a very empowering thought, to wanting to be something that I'm not. And there's a massive difference. I want to get back to what I was saying earlier. There's a massive difference between survival and thriving. Most people in survival. Mode. and this is exactly where I have been and I'll admit that by being in survival mode it doesn't help me deal with the PTSD at a family level. It doesn't help with the depression at the family level. It doesn't help with uh, coming over the situation. So I want to be able to thrive and the only way that I can see myself to thrive is actually surrounding myself with people with tools, with teachings, with techniques that get me out of that space of darkness and get me into the space of possibility. I'm a really, uh, like, my inner critic inside of me is incredibly resigned and cynical. I mean, I've seen a lot of horror in this world. And there are times where I I feel totally hopeless. But this is not the place where possibility exists. And it is uh, through... Uh, I've been doing a personal development program called Landmark, and I'm now a a graduate of that program. And they've taught a number of distinctions that really have carried me through this. I've been leaning on them pretty hard in in terms of what they teach to be able to help me through this time. And they gave me a lot of clarity. Um, Now, one of the things that I got from that was, okay, if I'm going to live in a world of possibility... That means that I have to take actions that are in consistency with that. If I'm not living in a world of possibility, I'm living in the world of ordinary. And if I'm living in the world of ordinary, well, guess what? That's where I'm always going to be. If I want something new, if I want something great, i got to change the perspective. How do I change it? By creating that possibility. And that allows for a new realm of being. As long as I'm taking actions that are uh... for what i stand that are in line in alignment with that possibility then i'm going to find a way to be able to create a new realm of existence not just for myself but for my family and the world around me and one of the reasons why i'm I'm i decided to take this opportunity to go on air with you is because i've been silent for almost eight months and i've been hiding and i've been keeping to myself living in a state of fear and i'm thinking to myself what good is that? What good is that doing for anyone? There are so many people in this world who are experiencing the kind of injustice that I'm experiencing, and they don't have a voice. Right. And no matter how scared I am right now to be on air with you, Fee, I I know that I am doing the right thing because if I can empower at least another human being to have a voice for themselves or have a voice for others that don't have a voice for themselves, maybe we can take the steps... That are in alignment with my possibility, which is I'm standing for the possibility of justice, peace, and love.
1: Right, right, right. And it's really, it's really safe to say, Anshul, you've you've faced a, a tremendous amount of. Uh, difficulty and challenges in your life, but having that attitude and moving through that fear and having that courage to step through it, even to be on this show, even to share your story is something that is truly inspiring. And we have more to share with you. We've got more to continue with this story to inspire all of you for your own personal emergence we are uh, going to take a quick break stay tuned because you'll want to hear the rest of the story so we'll be right back live up to your fullest potential this is the voice america empowerment channel
0: Fee works with individuals and delivers keynote messages that are inspiring and uplifting. Experience what Fee has to offer at directconnectcoaching.com.
1: Social media is important to your business, but you might not know how to do it right. Doing social media yourself can be a challenge. I have discovered a company that gets it done for you. They post seven times a week to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Google Plus, and they can monitor reviews on over 45 sites at a price any business can afford. Get more information at GetSocialwithfee.com and get your free analysis to determine your company's social media effectiveness. Visit GetSocialWithfee, that's FI.com and find out more today, because doing it wrong is worse than not doing it at all. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You are tuned in to Direct Connect Empowerment. To reach Fee or her guest on the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now back to Direct Connect Empowerment.
1: And welcome back. We're talking about your own personal emergence and sharing his. Really compelling story is our guest today, Anshul Fernando. And uh, it, it's clear and evident, Anshul, that you have had this life of, that you've, you've experienced racism and oppression and persecution and some tremendous things. And, and I want to talk to people uh, before we move into our, our uh, next question. I just want to talk to people about the importance of not Judging or criticizing another person, particularly yourself, and, and you spoke about this before the break about your own, the voice of your own inner critic, and we speak about that on the air often, and I, I talk to my clients about it so often because what I find is underneath the voice of the inner critic, there is always the voice of the power of possibility. It always exists, and it's just a matter of getting to that place, emerging from being stuck in the darkness, being stuck in dark thoughts, being stuck in victimization, being stuck in whatever your experience is and emerging from your own personal cocoon into the beauty and possibility and power of your own life. And that's what you um, have agreed to come onto the show to share, courageously share your story Anshul, about some of the things that you have experienced so that you can inspire other people to do the same. And I, I, I can't thank you enough for that. I really want to um, say to our, our listeners out there that if you think you've, you' know you've had a rough life, you know look at somebody else that's going through it and look at what they're doing to move through the difficult times. Replicate what they're doing. And I want to um, encourage the listening audience out there. Yes, there's, there's darkness, yes, there's toughness, yes, there's fear. But when you step through it, when you allow that fear to speak, when you allow that fear to, uh, when you allow yourself to be fully present, not, not positive think yourself through it, but just allow the voice of fear to speak. And then what happens in that moment is you realize that that fear does not have the power that it really originally the that you originally thought it had, that that fear in your mind is really not as, as powerful as you give it credit to be. And that's exactly what we're talking about with Anshul today. And speaking of that, Anshul, I want to know what it is that you do to keep your mo- mind focused on the love and the peace and possibility for yourself and for your family. What do you do on a regular basis so that our listeners can duplicate and replicate what it is that you're doing?
2: That's a really great question. Uh, what I do is I have a personal coach. I have uh, this personal development program I'm leaning on. I have a counselor. I have a therapist. I have kept a very close circle of friends who are truly Friends nearby, they're my support network. I surround myself with people who are there to build me up and not tear me down. Um, That's a really important thing. I mean, my grandfather was 91 when he passed away, my my mother's father. And before he passed away, I asked him. He he had dementia, and so he had just a few fleeting moments of clarity. And I asked him, in the moment of clarity, in all your years that you've been alive, what is the most valuable lesson that you could teach me as as your grandson moving forward and he said to me in his own language um, just two words, saksanga and that translates to choose your company wisely be around good people if you're around good people you will be good if you're around not good people you won't be good so I've taken that lesson and I've I've, I've applied that. Now, I mean, my therapist, I mean, she's, she gets huge credit. Um, my therapist was able to diffuse my deep-rooted anger and hatred that I had developed for people. Uh, she was able to get me to a place where I had replaced anger and hate with compassion. Now I look at people, all people, with the same eyes that I look at my children with. When I see my child making a mistake, I don't hate my child. Uh, when I see my child that uh, doesn't do what I'm asking, I am asking, I don't get infuriated with rage. I see that my child just doesn't know any better. And it's these steps that I'm taking with my therapist uh, when she's treating me through this challenging time. She's helping me walk through that gate where I'm able to apply that same level of kindness and generosity that I give to my children to the rest of the world because it's from that place i'm empowered i mean if i were to mistreat my children and get angry with them for them being children then i'm not empowering them to be who they are at at a maximal level in fact i'm taking that away and i'm not interested in doing that um so one of the things that i would like to master in life is to uh apply the same level of kindness and generosity to full-grown adults Uh, And it's going to take some training and mastering for sure, because I I personally assume that people should know better. And then I'm led down this rabbit hole that leads me to anger, fear, and desperation. And then the hate creeps in. But when I look and see that we are all children, and we all simply just do not know any better, then I'm free to act with compassion and love. And I really like this quote, Uh, it helps me see the light through the darkness. Um, It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. That quote from Upton Sinclair. When I read that quote, it actually uh, gives me a lot of freedom to look at people with that generosity and not have that judging and assessing mind, that inner critic to come in and and cut them down. And, uh, I mean, the listeners might imagine and rightly so, that I have every right to remain angry with the Calgary police, the legal system, family services, some of my uh, friends who have abandoned me, my community, the whole world. I can always find a reason to justify my own feelings and beliefs because I'll always find a reason for it. But that's not going to get me what I want. What I want is to live in a world where there is justice, where there is peace, where there is love. So how is my anger serving that? It's not. So if it's not serving it, why would I take actions that are inconsistent with my possibility? I want to live in that possibility. So my mindset is clear. I shed the anger. And with that, the possibility is able to come forth. And through that, the anger, the cynicism, and the hate, it actually begins to disappear because I no longer give it the energy. I actually create actions that are in, in total alignment with peace love and justice that's the better way that's yes. the i would not have been able to get to that space if it wasn't for the support network around me and the people who have chosen to be around me
1: sure choose your company choose your company wisely i think that's really sound advice and and the bottom line here and this is all about your own personal emergence because Folks, everybody out there is experiencing some form of difficulty, some challenge in life. And um, it's really easy on this farewell show to say, yes, but mine, yes, fee, but mine is, you have no idea how difficult mine is. And I would agree with you, I don't, because I don't walk in your shoes. However, when you hear someone like Enshul, who uh, has you know, been through a tremendously difficult life and the fact of the matter is, and this is really simple, the fact of the matter is, and Shul has given us a formula to be able to move through our own darkness to truly emerge into the power of possibility in in your own life and that is to look at your mindset, look at all of the Things that make you feel angry, rageful, resentful—whatever uh, it is that you're experiencing—experience that, feel that, feel that. Don't don't deny the feelings that you have. Do not deny them. Do, you know, it, it, it would be easy for us to say, "Oh, there's no such thing and shul as racism," because there is, and that's just separation. It's a separated mindset of, uh, you know, based on one's. Um, color of their skin or one's religious background or whatever the case may be. Whatever that looks like, it doesn't really matter.
2: I had an epiphany when I was in jail back in June. I was put into, um, when I entered the prison system, uh, they had, the guards had asked me, are you part of a gang? I said, no. They still put me in the hardest unit uh, in in jail where I was put into uh, 23 out of 24 hours a day lockdown. It was three people to an 8 by 10 cell. And uh, I had to sleep on the ground. Now, in that prison cell, the rule was that I could not allow my own feces to be smelt by another inmate. And there was no wall separating the bathroom from the beds. The bathroom, the, the toilet seat was right by the two beds. And it was, it was nearly impossible to do that. And I faced tremendous violence as a result of that simple rule. I I couldn't sleep at all while I was in jail. I kept on worried about my children, worried about my family, what's going on, why am I being falsely accused, what have I done? And in all of that, I remembered this quote. And it was was, um, more of a quote told to me as a story. And it was a story about Nelson Mandela. And I, I was looking through this little window, and this window was approximately four inches wide, and it was about three feet long. It was a little tiny slit. And I'm looking at the moonlight, the middle of the night, and I'm remembering this story. And after some time, Nelson Mandela, who also was in prison, he was uh, in his cell by himself, and he began to laugh out loud. And the guards came to see what was uh, so funny, why he was laughing. And they asked him what what was going on and he didn't answer at first but just kept on laughing and the guards began to think that he had gone mad and the guards said to him why are you laughing you're in prison to which he replied it is you that are in prison and i who am free and that's what really uh... hit home for me remembering that story while i was in in prison myself nelson mandela didn't do he was falsely accused and he paid paid for what he had not done in losing his time. And I found myself in exactly the same predicament. And I found peace and solace. That if I choose thoughts that are empowering, that are fulfilling, that are going to get me through this, then I have a path to success. If I choose the thoughts and give in to the poison and the venom that's all around me, I will be doing myself in. And for the sake of those people around me, those people that matter to me, I could not allow myself to be done in. That's how right. I'm able to be the pillar for my family.
1: Right. It's amazing. And we could go on and on and on on Shul. And I just want to say to your courage, to uh, your family, to you, um, may you be blessed with the love and kindness, and compassion uh, that you offer to the world. May that boomerang effect come back to you uh, tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold in 2016. Um, Thank you for your story. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for showing us that the true emergence for all of our beautiful, wonderful listeners out there in the entire world to hear is that... You can free yourself by freeing up your mind and choosing thoughts that are, are free uh, and, and allow you to be free. So the bottom line here today on this farewell show is that we are all free as long as we choose to think that way. So thank, thank you. you, Ann Shul. Uh, I appreciate you very much, and I want to say to everyone who has listened over nearly two years of being on the air, uh, thank you for your love, support, kindness, continue to bring love and inspiration and power and possibility to the world, to those who have supported me throughout this, there's been so many of you out there, Um, to my family, to uh, Michael, my trusted engineer who makes me sound great every single week, and, and Robert, um, yeah, my executive producer, and to the Voice America Host Services team, thank you for your kindness and support and uh, and, and everything that you have given to me. And I'm excited to bring to you the power of possibility in 2016. And that's going to look a little bit different. That's not going to be on Voice America anymore, but there are going to be so many other. Uh, wonderful things. I've got video programs coming up and coming out and a lot of really terrific packages to share with all of you to continue your focus on your own personal emergence and for you to be able to move through being stuck so that you can experience your life in the power of possibility. Um, to the men and women who serve all of the countries around the world, thank you for your service. And to all of you listeners out there, its it really truly has been a privilege to serve you. It's been my pleasure to bring... Uh, such a variety of guests on the air, and this this fi- final show, this farewell show with Anshul, who uh, I, I know for me has really inspired me. Thank you, Anshul, and we wish all of you a continued uh, inspiration, and we wish all of you the very, very best life in 2016. Please stay tuned. Please stay with me, because there's a lot more to come, and I give you Uh, just heartfelt thanks to all of you thank you so very much
0: thank you again for joining us this week on Direct Connect Empowerment Team Mazanke will be back with another guest next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel we'll see you then